Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanya. Today's our second day as we talk about the prayers of Paul. How do you pray for a good congregation? Yesterday we found out how we pray for a carnal congregation. We pray the Word of God. How do you pray for a congregation that's a great congregation? You pray the Word of God. It doesn't change. So we're going to find out today how do you pray for people that are following God, but you want them to go on even to greater heights. We have the explanation from the Apostle Paul. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Welcome again to those that are watching the broadcast. Maybe you're here for the first time. This is Bob Yandian, and this is Student of the Word. So for those of you watching here in the United States, and listen, there's some watching around the world that watch it on YouTube and uh, tune into it. And I get blessed letters from people in Africa and other parts of the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Word of God is the same everywhere because people are the same everywhere. I don't care what your color is. I don't care what your nationality is. I don't care if you're male or female, young or old, educated, uneducated, born into a wealthy family, poor family, good side of town, bad side of town. It really doesn't matter. God has opportunity for every one of you and the Word of God is given to everybody. Salvation is for everybody. The Word of God is for everybody. And today, this is part number two of the prayers of Paul. And I'm teaching on some of the prayers that Paul prayed. And yesterday we got into 1 Corinthians and dealt with a carnal congregation, but here's Paul's prayers for a outstanding congregation. We're going to talk today about Paul's uh, ministry to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, which came out of such tremendous revival, showed such massive maturity, and actually started six other churches out of this church, which make up the seven churches of Asia. Probably Ephesians deals with some of the stronger, deeper, more doctrinal prayers of Paul, because Paul was the master of praying the word of God. I've heard people say, I've heard this before. I think speaking with tongues is the greatest prayer and the most powerful prayer you can pray. No, it's not. In fact, the purpose of praying in tongues is because you know not for what to praise you ought, Romans chapter eight. You don't know where to begin. So you start with stammering lips, another tongue. You start praying in the spirit and God begins to give you revelation. Once you get the revelation, Praying the revelation is actually the purpose of praying in tongues. The purpose of praying in tongues is God can begin revealed to you and give you spiritual insight. That's what we're going to talk about today. Once the revelation comes, quit praying in tongues. Start praying the word of God because the most powerful prayer you can pray is not praying in tongues. The most powerful prayer you can pray is to pray the word of God. Tongues will cease one day, but the word of God lives and abides forever. I believe there'll always be prayer. I mean, prayers of praise and worship, maybe not for needs around you. All needs will be met in the millennium. And after that, the ages of ages. But again, the importance of speaking to God and all those things, worship will always be there. And I think that's a form of prayer. It's a form of communion because basically prayer is just communion with God. Paul, again, was the master of praying the word of God. And we ought to understand this. In fact, I think it's fine to pray the prayers of Paul, but make them personal. Make them for you, make them for your congregation and pray that. But it should give you some insight that when you find a prayer promise in the word of God that's so powerful, make it part of your prayer, especially for other people. So look at Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna take a look at verses 15 through 19, five verses here. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love to all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Do you understand the power of the verse of scripture? When we hear about a person and the great walk of faith they have, their love for all the saints, their love for God, we quit praying for them and go to somebody else because we think we always had to pray for someone with a strong need. No, this verse is saying, Paul said, I kicked my prayers into high gear. 
When I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love to all the saints, he says, I make mention of you in my prayers. He's simply saying here, that's a time when we really ought to kick in a stronger prayer because what? They become a target for the devil. Satan doesn't always go after every Christian. He really targets the ones that are doing a good work for God. Really targeted Paul, didn't he? Paul said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me by Satan, a spirit of Satan, a demon from Satan to buffet me. And he said, why? Because of the exceeding revelations I had, the size of my ministry was growing and Satan came to try to stop that ministry altogether. He goes on to say, Paul does here in verse 17, here's my prayer for you mature believers. Paul doesn't quit praying when people get to maturity. He prays for greater maturity because it never, ever stops. I'm in my 70s. I don't know how old some of you are watching this broadcast, but you know what? You still realize some days I've got a long way to go. I've learned a lot, but you know what? I have a whole long way to go. That's why verse 17 goes on to say that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may grant unto you, give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Now, this isn't a part of the Holy Spirit. This isn't the Holy Spirit of wisdom. This is part of the Holy Spirit's ministry. He would give you from the Holy Spirit wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let me give you the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is a input. You study and you receive knowledge, but wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Knowledge is an input, wisdom is an output. And taking in the word of God, first of all, you need to get understanding of the word of God. You need to get knowledge of the word of God. But once you get the revelation, with all you're getting, get understanding. That's in Proverbs. What's, what, what is understanding? Revelation. Don't just take in the word of God and start to pray when you don't understand it. Pray for the understanding of that verse. That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's like one day you're reading a verse you read before and you suddenly go, oh my goodness, I never saw that. Suddenly something jumped out of that verse and grabbed hold of you. It's the Holy Spirit giving you a revelation of that verse. That's what you pray with. You pray with a revelation of the word of God. That's why it's important to go to church. It's important to hear your pastor open up the word of God and teach you in ways you could not teach yourself because you're not a pastor. He's operating in that gift, that gift of a teacher at the moment, and he's opening up revelation to you. And take that revelation because you learned it from him. We don't just get it all from reading the Bible, all from just praying and hearing from the Holy Spirit ourselves. The Holy Spirit can work through different individual ministers. Be open when your friends talk to you about the Word of God. They may actually share something that may straighten your life out. Oh, thank God for good spiritual friends. So he says, the eyes of your understanding enlightened. And that's what happens here. This is enlightenment. This is revelation of the word of God. And again, with all you're getting, get understanding. With all you're getting, get revelation of the word of God. This is what you pray. Pray your revelation. The prayer is for practical application of spiritual blessings. This is found in verses three through 14. Our prayer should be, with all the spiritual blessings you've given to me, Lord, I want to know how to apply it to the things of life. Knowledge does me good on the inside. It shows me things, but you know what? I want my knowledge to become a blessing to other people. My understanding to help lead them to Jesus Christ and my understanding to help them grow up. It really comes back to this. 
New converts are not the best witnesses. Now they can be a witness and thank God for it. The woman that got saved at the well ran back into town and brought a group of people out with her. Others did that, but the best witnesses of all are disciples, those who understand the word of God. Why is this important? Because the the world has arguments against it and often they're confusing to a young Christian. The more you understand the word of God, the more you can talk to them and show them and help lead them around all their confusion by cutting clear with the revelation of the word of God. When you give them a scripture anointed with revelation, it cuts through their attitudes. It cuts through their, 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 uh, their, meanness. It cuts through all the things that they're trying to shut you down with, because if there's anything that'll shut them down, it's the anointing attached to the word of God. This comes as you minister to people, but also as you pray and understanding the word of God and using that again, makes it the most powerful prayer you can pray. The most powerful prayer is praying the word of God. So Paul was praying a prayer for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge, which they already had. He says, you've already taken it in, but I want you to have wisdom on it and revelation so that you can take it to the world. Knowledge Knowledge again is up to us to gain. Wisdom and revelation comes from the Holy Spirit and can be asked for. It's our right to ask God for wisdom of the word of God. James 1.5, notice it doesn't say if anyone lacks knowledge. No, that's up to you to get. It says if anyone lacks wisdom, I got this knowledge, but how do I apply it? I want to help people around. Lord, give me revelation on this verse. Something is in this verse I don't quite see. And Lord, I want to know what it is. And that's why it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask from God, who gives to everyone liberally and never upbraids us, never chews us out and calls us stupid. You may think you have a stupid question, but you know what? God never sees it. If you really want to know, it's not a stupid question. I've had people, uh, I've asked people before something, and I'll say, you know, does anybody here think you're kind of stupid because you don't know this? And, and you know, and somebody will nod like this. I'll say, how many others think the same way? The hands go up. I'll say, look around you. You think you're the only one that's stupid? Everyone here is basically saying the same thing. I don't understand this, but God wants to show you this is why he's given you the Holy Spirit. And if you ask out of a sincere heart, he will never upbraid you. Jesus upbraided the disciples one time in the ship. It said he upbraided them. That's in the King James. It simply means he chewed them out. Why? Because they should have known better. They were beyond that point, and yet they reverted back and became afraid during a storm. And Jesus upbraided them because of their unbelief. Now, in verse 18 of this particular verse of scripture here in in Ephesians, it's a prayer for spiritual enlightenment. Under Jesus' ministry, a blind man was prayed for twice before he received his full sight. I'm simply saying to you, sometimes we see partially into a verse of scripture, then one day the full revelation of it comes. So the sinner is mentally blind and spiritually dead. Matthew 13, verses 15 and 16 says, the people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears they hear. Again, the sinner is mentally blind and spiritually dead. And now Paul prays a prayer. And in Acts chapter 26, he says in verse 18, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Paul says in these verses of scripture in Acts 26, And also in Matthew 13, where Jesus is here, and Paul refers back and amplifies what Jesus had to say. Yes, but the first thing you should be praying before you go in is for the words to be spoken that are anointed by the Holy Spirit that will open up their eyes and give them sight. 
but the sight for the moment so they can understand it. Revelation, so that when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the spiritual blindness is gone. The darkness goes and turns into light from the power of Satan now becomes the power of God and they can receive forgiveness of sins and begin to walk in the Christian life. It all starts from the new birth, but even we have the power to pray for that to be taken away and pray for, listen, I don't pray and and command a person to be saved because it's their will, but I do pray for their will to be influenced, that the God of this world has blinded the minds uh, lest they see the light of the glorious gospel. I bind Satan. I have authority over him and say, Satan, I command you right now, stop your blindness over them. And Father, I command and Father ask that as the word of God comes to them, the Holy Spirit will do his part. And I ask that their will be turned. Lord, I can't command their will be turned. I can't make it. But Lord, I'm asking you so influence them and the spirit of God so work on them and convict them that Father, to fight this thing is gonna be difficult fighting this revelation that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I have messed up my life. He's the only one that can straighten me out. And this is what we are to pray for. So we pray that Satan's power of blindness will be removed for a moment so they can see clearly to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Like a newborn baby, a Christian is enlightened at salvation, but now he needs to see clearly in life. Hebrews chapter six and verse four tells us we were once enlightened. And in Luke 24, verse 45, he opened their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. Wow, those are prayers I wanna pray over someone and especially over myself. I'll see you right after halftime. I'll see you right after the break. Be sure and get a copy of this teaching. In Ephesians 6, 18, the expanded translation says, praying always at all times with all prayer, different kinds of prayer and supplication, that is praying in the spirit. The prayer flash drive presents a biblical explanation of each type of prayer found in scripture, including praying in the spirit, binding and loosing, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, and many more. The flash drive also includes a series on the power of prayer and the prayers of Paul. In studying the prayers of Paul, you will learn that Paul rarely prayed for his own needs. He mainly prayed for others, especially for believers. The prayer flash drive contains 37 MP3 audio lessons by Bob Yandian, a topical study on prayer. To order the prayer flash drive, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Before the break, I was talking about the importance of praying over sinners, that that blindness partially can be removed for a moment to where they can clearly see Jesus. That doesn't mean they're going to get saved. In fact, I think many people have been so convicted under the power of the Holy Spirit and still said no, that later on received him as Lord and Savior. I sat beside a young man on a plane. I've told this story before, and perhaps you haven't heard it, but I sat down on the plane. I used to get early seating because I travel so much on planes. So I sat down and a young man came and sat right beside me. The moment he sat down, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he's ready to receive me. I thought, wow, okay. And and so I started a conversation with him, asking him who, you know, what he did. And he told me he was a student and all that. He said, what do you do? That's why I ask him what they do, because they'll turn around and ask me what I do. I said, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor of a church. He said, you are? I mean, he just like woke up. You are? And I said, yes. And he said, what kind of church is it? And I told him, he said, oh. and I said, you're ready to receive Jesus, aren't you? He said, yes. He said, people have talked to me. And I've, I've said, no, I've said, no. He said, but you know what? I've been thinking about what they said. And I told the Lord this morning, I said, I don't remember what they said about what to do, but Lord, would you have somebody talk to me? He said, and I sat right beside you. I said, God's watching over you. And I led him to the Lord. In other words, when we went down the tarmac, he was a sinner. But once that plane got into the air, he had eternal life. And it just happened so quickly. But you know what? God had been working on him and that blindness that was on him that Satan put there was temporarily pulled back to where he could clearly see, but he still had to accept. Just because illumination comes doesn't mean a person is saved. They have to act on it and receive by faith Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. So prayer is, is necessary for illumination toward an unbeliever, we are to pray that the God of this world who's blinded them can be moved for the moment to where they can clearly see the revelation of the word of God. That's a prayer that's that's proper. We can't make them get saved. We can't say, Lord, I command them to get saved. Lord, make them get saved. He won't do that. He will not interfere with their will, but he will show him himself. He will show them and illuminate Jesus Christ to them and they'll see their own inadequacy and the only answer is to receive Jesus. So, but also after we're born again, we need to pray for Christians for illumination into the things of God, into the word of God, to where scripture will suddenly take on a whole new life. Psalm 119 verse 18. Here's David. Lord, open my eyes and I may behold wondrous things out of your law or out of your word. What's he saying? As a believer, as a born again, spirit filled Christian, we as Christians need to continue in these prayers. Lord, I know being born again was important. And now the important thing is for me to grow in the word of God, not to just be a convert, to be a stable convert, not to just be a Christian, but to be a mature Christian. Because what the world needs is not just more Christians. They need more stable, mature Christians. And we pray this prayer. It's a great prayer for you to pray. Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. Isaiah 28 and verse 11, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Another reason for praying in the Holy Spirit, praying with other tongues is for the Holy Spirit to give you revelation, God to give you revelation and speak to you and do two things, show you his word, He'll lead us and guide us into all truth, but then also the circumstances of life. Now he will show us things to come. The things are things outside the word of God. Paul had revelation, don't go north to Bithynia, don't go south into Asia. 
And he kept going to Troas until finally the Holy Spirit gave him revelation to go to Macedonia. Those weren't things he could find in the law, weren't things he could find in scripture, but the Holy Spirit not only showed him things from the word of God, illuminated the word of God, but also showed him things to come. And things are things outside the word of God. I like to think of it this way. The word of God is general guidance for everybody, but things to come is specific guidance just for you on what to do in your life, the guidance, leadership, call of God on your life, where your ministry will be, what church to choose, uh, what job to choose, which organization to go for. God will lead you and guide you either by peace you shall go forth with joy and be led forth with peace. Peace is a guide for your life. It comes from the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. That's the verse I've been quoting. How important that is for God to help us to understand that I need the Holy Spirit not just to get saved, I need him every single day. You know, we often talk about the sinner's prayer and I don't believe getting saved necessarily is a prayer. I don't believe that because it just simply says, if you'll believe, you know, in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, believe that God raised him from the dead. That's just simple believing in him. It's not necessarily a prayer, but there's nothing wrong with leading a person in the Lord's prayer, the sinner's prayer. I think that's wonderful. The Roman road, turn it into a prayer. But on top of that, it could be the person just simply says, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe that God raised him from the dead just for me. And you're saved. It may not have been a prayer, it's just a confession you made to God. And salvation is called a confession. But the ver- the verses here are teaching us that we need to grow in the things of God. And again, he'll show us things to come. The eyes of the heart is really a reference to the mind. It says the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Illumination does not take place in your spirit. Illumination takes place in your soul, in your thinking. You know it down here. You just need to see it up, you know, see it up here. Down here, I believe the Holy Spirit lives, and I believe that this is what the Word of God says, that down here you understand everything, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you like it did in Jesus. You know everything down here. It's just it's the, the part that's dense is up here. Real revelation doesn't take place up or down here. It takes place up here. In your spirit, you understand it. In your spirit, you don't need to learn anything. You have no need that anyone teach you, John says. In other words, down here, you know everything, but you need to break through to those ways of thinking, those uh, high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, pull them into captivity so you can see the revelation of God. In other words, what I'm saying is whenever you suddenly understand something, you know what you say? I see it. Well, that's seeing up here. It's the eyes of your heart being enlightened and you suddenly get revelation in your soul and now it's usable. Down here, it's not usable, but the moment you see it and the moment you understand it in your mind, now you can use it. To see is to receive understanding of the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Understanding doesn't take place in your spirit. It takes place in your soul, in your thinking. Once the eyes of your heart are open to receive revelation, three things can be understood. Number one, the hope of his calling. Number two, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And number three, the exceeding greatness of his power which he used when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's talk about those three. The hope of his calling is future. The hope of your calling is the rapture of the church called the great hope of the church. What I'm looking forward to, you know, I know the tribulation's coming. You can see it happening all around us. The the things are being set in motion, but the tribulation hasn't started yet. But the moment the tribulation starts, I will have already been taken into heaven. My great hope 
is not in our president, not in Congress, is not in the the high courts of our nation. No, my hope is in Jesus Christ and is coming for me and I'll be taken into heaven. That's the great hope of the church. So the first thing it says, when the eyes of your understanding, the eyes are open to receive revelation, the first of three things happen, you begin to get hope for the future a rest and assurance that God's going to take care. Not only did he save me, he keeps me saved every day. I walk in his glory every day. Number two, the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints. Right now, listen, I know I've got riches in heaven, but I've got spiritual riches here on earth that I need to tap into. I've got the word of God, which is the greatest possession anyone could ever have. And we understand that his riches are better than diamonds and rubies. We're told this throughout the book of Proverbs, especially that the greatest riches God has given to us are not in gold and silver around us, but every simple promise of the word of God. So the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. That's why I'm here. Listen, I know I've got inheritance in heaven, but I've got part of it down here. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the down payment on my inheritance yet to come. A down payment is usually 10, 15, maybe 20% of the entire amount. But you know what? I've got my uh, inheritance in heaven and the down payment of it right now. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on that. The third thing, though, is the exceeding greatness of his power. That's past tense. First thing, future tense, the hope of his calling. Second, second, the present tense is right now I have the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. But number three is pointing back to where all this began with the exceeding greatness of God's power. That's past tense. That's verse 19. So what's that verse saying? We're told this here in this verse of scripture that the exceeding greatness of God's power, starting in verse 19, led to this, which raised Jesus Christ from the dead and set him in the heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father. The exceeding greatness of God's power is this. I love what it says back in the Old Testament that when God created the universe, he used his fingers. Chapter eight or the eighth Psalm says, the, the heavens declare the works of your fingers. We're told in Hebrews 1.10 that the earth declares his handiwork. What's the difference between the fingers and the hand? Strength. The fingers don't have as much strength as the hand. So literally the least amount of power that God ever used was to create the universe. He just flung them out there with his fingers here and there and just spread them everywhere. But when it came to making the earth, it took his handiwork. He took more time creating the earth than he did the entire universe. Why? Because this is the place where redemption would take place. It's the place where heaven will come and rest over and Jesus Christ will personally reign from. God's people live here. And so again, the earth declares his handiwork. But here's the interesting thing. Isaiah 53, speaking of salvation, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Oh, listen, a little bit of power in your fingers, more power in your hand, but the maximum power is in your arm. When it came to raising Jesus Christ from the dead, it took all the power that God had. I believe that heaven and hell had an arm wrestling match that day when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and God once and for all took the hand of Satan and threw it down and Jesus Christ arose from the dead. God showed us his exceeding power. God showed us his exceeding riches. And to see here again means that verse of scripture is the exceeding greatness of God's power. That's past his where we started from that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God exercised, I like to think of it this way. 
When God raised Jesus from the dead, there was a power outage in heaven because all of God's power was used to raise Jesus from the dead. The lights dimmed and everything. I'm sure everybody around in heaven was looking around. But the moment Jesus Christ arose from the dead, the power was on. All of God's power was used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. How powerful is that? So the hope of his calling, each one of us has a calling that comes from the Lord. Each one of us has a unique ministry and position to fill. And there is a hope to our calling. And we're called to win souls, but there's a crown in heaven waiting for us. And so we have something to look forward to. But again, he's also told us in the word of God that there's rewards in heaven for us. 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4 tells us, we all have wonderful rewards waiting for us in heaven. And we are called to endure temptations because there's a crown in heaven waiting for us and there's even a soul winner's crown. Next of all, we are told about the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, which is present tense. We have such wonderful things in our life. The power of the Holy Spirit, but every promise is an exceeding great and precious promise which all began when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We have a great heritage we come from, a great heritage we're living in, and we'll get to see the results of it, the rewards of it one day when the rapture takes place and we'll be with Jesus Christ personally forever and forever. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.